0: Most of us will either ask to or be called upon to roll out a new initiative sometime in our careers. It might even be a big one. My guest, Christina Call-Martins, and her team successfully launched a massive initiative at a Fortune 500 company. Today, you'll learn how they did it. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 96.
1: Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential.
0: Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. This is a weekly show to help people be better leaders through improved communications, human relations, and personal productivity, and we need all three of those when launching a major initiative, and I'm so excited today to share this episode with you. Uh, And to welcome my guest, Christina Call-Martins from the Northrop Grumman Corporation. I met Christina, I think about five or six years ago when she first came to work at Northrop Grumman. And for those of you who don't know, if you've been listening to the show just for a short period of time, I do a bunch of work with the Dale Carnegie Training Organization. And Dale Carnegie has been partnered with uh, Northrop Grumman through our partnership with West Los Angeles College for about 10 years now. And we've served Northrop Grumman's Aerospace Systems. And I've done a whole bunch of training over the years for folks who are involved in the F-18 and F-35 fighter jet programs and lots of other programs there. And uh, one of the biggest projects I've overseen is Dale Carnegie's relationship with Northrop over the years, and. We've been involved with training several thousand people in their organization. And so I've spent a lot of time on their sites and particularly here in Southern California over the years. And uh, as I've gotten to know people there and built relationships, one of the things that I had kept hearing about over the years is this program called Green NG. And it's kind of a play on two words, the word green and then NG for Northrop Grumman. It's an employee sustainability program. And I, I first started hearing about GreenNG and Northrop's efforts at starting to build uh, environmental responsibility and stewardship. And uh, as I learned more and more about the program, I you know would see meeting notices posted, and then I'd start to see posters up, and then I'd start to see big meetings, and I'd start to hear lots of employees talking about it. And, and over the years, it's turned into this massive initiative that's a huge part of Northrop's strategy in being uh, even more responsible in their commitment to sustainability and green initiatives. And that's why I wanted to bring Christina Call Martins onto the show because just recently, not only has she headed up a lot of this work at Northrop, she just recently was awarded with the Los Angeles County Green Leadership Chairman's Award. Now, for those of you who don't live in Southern California, which I know is most of the listening audience, uh, there's about 10 million people in Los Angeles County. And so... Christina was basically uh, recognized as the greenest person out here. And we take this really seriously here in Southern California because historically, this is not something that we were so good at. And so uh, she's someone has really become a leader in this area. And I wanted to get her on the show and have her teach us uh, not only kind of the strategy of what they did, but even more importantly than that, how she used communication skills, human relations Uh, coordination and working with people in order to be able to do this. And she's going to share a lot of that with us today. I do want to mention before starting the interview here, it's a little different on the audio quality than normal. Uh, A lot of times I'll bring guests into the studio here or we'll do something by phone. And Christina and I thought it would be really cool rather than doing that is actually to take you down onto Northrop Grumman's production line in El Segundo, California, uh, Take you down onto the production floor, uh, go out to the back lot and see the, you know, listen for all the sounds that were going on with the recycling work they're doing. And so I uh, took all my portable equipment, and Northrop was very, uh, Uh, gracious to uh, allow me to do this and to come in and to interview Christina right in the heart of Northrop Grumman and all the work they're doing building fighter jets. And so um, the audio quality is a little different, not quite as good as in studio, but I think that you'll find that uh, getting in there and uh, just listening to all the sounds going on will really give you a good feel for how important this work is that Christina's done. So here's my interview with Christina Call Martins. Okay, I am here with Christina call Martins in the 902 building of the Northrop Grumman Corporation in El Segundo, California. And this is quite a building, uh, has quite a history to it. Northrop has produced over... Let's see, 12,000 airplanes in this building over the last, what is it, 80, 70, or 80 years? Yeah, we're from
1: like. back in the world wars for it. So the building's made out of redwood. It's over a mile long. You know, it's a historical landmark by this point.
0: And it's <laughs> it's one of the largest wooden structures in the United States or the world or something Yeah, like that. I think
1: we're second only maybe to one of the military dorms uh, for one of the military schools back on the East Coast. That's the wow. one that we compete with for it.
0: Well, um, we're here because... Uh, Christina has done some amazing work at Northrop Grumman in the last five years. And I am so excited to talk to you because... You've had such great success in your role and your career at Northrop, and you've also recently been recognized with a very cool award too. And so, I'm really uh, excited to um, to talk with you. But I'm wondering, first of all, before we get into that and kind of the story, can you tell me about just your background and how you came to work at Northrop Grumman?
1: Okay, Uh, I guess I'm a corporate tree hugging hippie. That's the difference (laughs) between what most people say. Most environmental people won't go and work for a corporation because they've got the idea that a big corporation is bad and everything that they do is wrong and that they don't want to be associated with it. But I found years ago with some of the co-op and internships that I had during college that you could actually get a lot more stuff done working from the inside of a large corporation if you had any environmental goals than Hmm. you could from when I was working with uh, environmental agencies in the area. We'd worked for the Department of Environmental Qualities in different states or we'd worked for other nonprofits, and really you get the most bang for your buck for actually being within the culture and being able to change a lot of it. So I came to Northrop now about six years ago from another engineering firm that was down in Long Beach. And I had just met my then boss uh, at a party for my husband's MBA class. And I was complaining about something that wasn't so ethical, that I was worried about with the last company, you know. Mm. uh, And that concern and that I had this engineering background made my then boss say, hey, we've got an opening. Do you want to come apply for Northrop? So really, it is about who you know, and that's how I got brought into Northrop. Otherwise, I had only known about it because my husband's an aerospace engineer by training, uh, so he knows everything about every plane known to man. And then I got brought into Northrop as an environmental engineer and started working in our air quality department. There wasn't even a sustainability program when I first came in.
0: Hmm. So uh, before I ask you about green energy, Tell me a little bit just how did you get in that mindset of of looking at things by coming into a large organization? Because, like you said, a lot of folks that really have thought about green work and sustainability, not so much now, but certainly five, ten years ago, really are looking at it from the outside. But you had that perspective to come Mm -hmm. and work inside a large corporation. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? How did you decide to do that?
1: It was really from all those different co-ops and internships that I had taken during college. At first, you were like, well, I'm an environmental science major. Uh, I have to go work for the EPA. That's what everybody first says. I'm going to do environmental stuff. I'm going to work for the EPA. Uh, And then that first summer, there's none in the area where I worked near. But that first year, uh, the Navy actually had an internship program with their Environmental Awards Department, and I went and worked for them. So I worked for a Navy subcontractor and worked in that. And then the next year, I worked on construction sites doing engineering analysis for, you know, soils and everything. And that was a totally different experience. Mm. Uh, another year, I took my Christmas break, and I volunteered for our Department of Environmental Quality. Uh, and help them set up a refrigeration tracking system. And that was a totally different experience. And after going through that and one with Philip Morris, where I worked inside of a large corporation as well, doing their environmental efforts, um, being able to compare each of those side by side, you're like, wow, which thing do I think I made the most progress on? You know, like, did I make a big dent? How was it received? You know, what sort of chance does it have of sustaining in that company or in that environment mm-hmm. uh, from what I had done? And the one that really seemed to make a difference because it was written into the procedures for the company, how they were going to do it, making sure that everybody would follow it in future plans. Was well, the one i had had within larger corporations and organizations? Uh, that way you you get it into the procedure and that's what everybody follows from then on. And that showed me that, yeah, you can make a big difference in there, even if you're initially thinking, oh, this is such a huge corporation, they must be evil. No, that's not the case. Uh, people are the same everywhere. Uh, it's never about the company. It's always about the people that you're working with. Hmm. And everybody is good at heart. So,
0: It's interesting how our experiences do shape our opinions. Yes. And, and uh, would, it, would it need to just path you followed along that yeah. as far as you're thinking. That's so.
1: why I have steel-toed boots that we're going to walk around. Yes, yes, today. I, I yeah. see
0: that. So uh, I'm excited to get to tour <laughs> the plant here a little bit, actually. So tell me, how did Green NG start, and what was your role, and how did that all begin?
1: Okay. Green NG, which stands for Greening of Grumman. Uh, started back in 2008 our CEO at the time says we're going to reinvigorate and get our employees to be able to you know help us with our environmental goals that we have to do they started to see that in the marketplace our board of directors had said hey you know this is something that we should be paying more attention to and really engaging our workforce on it rather than it just being the environmental compliance department's job to make sure we do things you know do you have a paper recycling bin are you not emitting any toxic chemicals you know we're already on top of all of those things within the company. Uh, that's why I was hired in for the air quality compliance group. Uh, but afterwards, they decided that it needed to be a more holistic. Thing. So hmm. they said, we're going to create these green and G teams. And uh, since I would yell at bosses who would throw away their bottles and cans in the trash cans like, hey, I know I'm the new person here, but that I've goes to our that. employees. <laughs> yeah, that goes back to fun events for our employees. And they'd be like, oh, and they'd take it back out and they'd put it in the recycling bin. Nobody else had ever challenged them on that or said, you know, you should change that behavior. Yeah. So when they said we should have a green team and our site manager said, well, who's going to lead it? You know, who takes this task on for everything else? All my bosses were like Christina <laughs> she yelled at us so she should be the one <laughs> so that's how I got to start and start brainstorming about how we should work with our employee teams and then also some of the goals that we would do within nice. Green energy I was already that corporate tree hug and hippie
0: well and it, it really speaks to your enthusiasm too because I uh, just as an example I've been around the site here for eight or nine years doing various things and helping out with doing some training and classes. And I've been signed up for several Green NG projects over the years, and I don't even work here. and (laughs) Because you were very like, okay, you got to do this, and here's the cup, and here's what you need to do. And I was like, okay, great. And I think that you really bring that energy into the role, which is cool. That's great. Um, What did Green NG initially set out to achieve, and then what happened as a result of some of your efforts and the efforts of the other people involved? Uh,
1: A lot of the initial... Efforts for GreenNG, the way that it was structured from corporate and the board, was that it was supposed to, of course, make us more competitive in the marketplace. Um, if you're wasting stuff, it's costing you money. Sure. So it could be a consideration on our impact. It always has a PR component to it for the communities and for our customers that we work with that, uh, you know, we take this seriously. We know it's a goal that you guys have, so we try to support it as well. So a lot of those things came from that, like we have to do something and really engage our workforce because we have a lot of really brilliant people. What can we do? And that's how it started. Um, now it's starting to be more of an umbrella organization for GreenNG. You have our top three goals that we have for greenhouse gas emissions reductions, normalized to sales, uh, waste Uh, solid waste reductions that we're trying to do for our facilities with best management practices and water conservation efforts that we do. Those are our top three big green goals that we work. Uh, So we have those internal goals that work with employees to somewhat, but a lot of those are big process changing, improving equipment, uh, changing to different types of water uses, you know, the low flow urinals and toilets and stuff like that. You know, the non-sexy stuff that employees are like, you should have it, but they're not going to go out and test drive some urinals <laughs> for you. Uh, the employee side of it is really a lot about engaging the day-to-day that the employees have you know what are we missing here you we would brainstorm with all the employees and be like what does your focus want to be on this year and of course the first thing everybody else is recycling Our recycling you know needs improvement So over the first couple of months, we focused on improving some of our recycling system. And then every six months or a year, we would say, what do you guys want to focus on next? So Hmm. they were really involved with it because they got to vote on on what we did.
0: Yeah, and this is one of the strengths that I've seen you do over the years, is you just have this great gift of um, getting employees to take personal ownership over what they were doing with this process. So it wasn't just a corporate initiative. It was really their initiative. Mm -hmm. How did you do that? Was that intentional? Did you discover that along the way? What did you do to get that personal ownership?
1: Well, I think one of the things that throughout all my jobs that always would irk me is, If you ask somebody to do something and they said, that's not my job or that's not in my job description, and it would flabbergast me, I'd be like, but this is the right thing to do. This will make us more profit or this will help us with our efficiency or do it that way. But if it wasn't their job, they would just, you know, hands off of it. Hmm. So we've been dealing with trying to get more people to, you know, take ownership. If it's personal to them, if they have skin in the game, if it's something that will make their work lives or their, you know, lives in general better, then they're more likely to help you with it. So you're definitely looking for what's important to them because, you know, they're kind of the collective consciousness of the company and also of the community, the states and regions that we live in. So if you find out what's important to them, they will support all that. You'll find out pretty quickly if you try to push an endeavor that they're just like, yeah, I don't really care about that because nobody will help you on that project.
0: Uh, (laughs) What's a time that that happened where you were maybe had an idea of doing something and You realized pretty quickly that it just wasn't something that was going (laughs) to roll with the employee population.
1: Uh, I think I was just writing in my book that, you know, of the different fundraising events that we've done throughout the years. Uh-huh. Usually a lot of the different employee teams will come together and say, okay, we're going to fundraise for the USO or for all of our holiday giving ones. And we'd try different fundraising events for them throughout the years, but it didn't seem organic to the Green team. We were trying to do a trivia thing, or we would try the one that was most spectacular failure is, oh, we'll do a photo contest and people will be able to pay to vote for it and be able to do that, and it'll all be sustainability themed. So- uh-huh. You know, pictures of windmills, beautiful landscapes and everything. Uh, We didn't realize that we were competing against a pet photo contest, and they kicked our butt. You know, (laughs) dogs and tutus and goggles, you know, they are very passionate about their pets, and people are not very passionate about windmills. So our fundraising effort for that failed abysmally. I think we made like $7. So we decided that's not something people, not a whole lot of people submitted photos, uh, and not a lot of people voted for it. So we went away from that, and we never did that project ever. Again, we mm. went to reuse rummage sales where people could bring their stuff that they usually give to Goodwill. We'd sell it all for a dollar, and then all of the profits go to the USO, and anything left over goes to, say, Vietnam veterans of America who will come pick it up so it's a full circle thing you're not paying for anything you're creating funds for this plus you're keeping people from buying new stuff so that was a success but the uh the photo contest was a bomb it did not go well
0: <laughs> but but it's interesting that you it sounds like realize that pretty quickly mm-hmm. and changed directions which I think is interesting is is because a lot of leaders don't do that a lot of times like they'll Try something and kind of keep it going. And like, well, it didn't work as well as time. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's maybe tweak it slightly. Mm-hmm. But you said, you know what? No, nope, not going to do that. We're going to go in an entirely different direction. Yeah,
1: we had done that photo contest one year, and it was just so sad when we went to give our money at the end of the day. Some of the groups were like, "Here's the three hundred dollars we raised from a nacho sale," and I was like, "Here's our seven bucks." Uh- <laughs> so, so the very next fundraising fair we had done for something else, we'd retooled, asked everybody, you know, like, what would help you guys? What What do you think seems naturally? A fit with this, and that's when we started going to the reuse rummage sales and like recycling tosses and stuff. Hmm. Still fun, still educational, still helped along with a lot of our company goals with getting awareness out there, uh, but a lot less work and heartbreak when it, <laughs> it inevitably blows up.
0: So, should we go for a walk?
1: Let's do it. Let me All get right. my steel toed boots on.
0: Okay, we're walking out onto the uh, manufacturing line here.
1: A lot of projects that we've done for not only our green employee teams for the things that our employees have shown us but also what I do now for our manufacturing environment where I do a lot of greenhouse gas reduction see those fun uh, blinking lights on top of the vending machines right
0: now? Ah, yes. The vending machines all have look, which look like security motion sensors on the top of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they are motion sensors. They're okay. just called vending visors. So that way, even though we have a couple of different shifts that run around at our facility, whenever people aren't in this break area or whenever we don't have our, our third shift running, then those will turn off the machines and save us money. It ended up paying for itself in like eight months. Oh, uh, wow. And was one of our greenhouse gas reductions like five tons or something. So, as simple as the, the, the on it. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not ours, Thank you, though. No. Okay, so we have just little things like that that touch a lot of the different parts of our life.
0: So the one thing that's immediately obvious when you walk out on Northrop's production line here is there are F-18s sitting in, just sitting. Right there's yep. an F-18 sitting right next to us, and to it, it is horse. avocado green. Is that part of the Green NG program also?
1: <laughs> That'll confuse a lot of other environmental professionals. That I'm like, oh, in our green paint. It's actually a military-specified paint that we have to put on it. They always think that it's a sustainable or new paint when I talk about it. I have to say, oh, no, no, no. It's it's just the color or the type of paint that's required by the military to go on. Awesome. Okay.
0: One thing that also strikes me walking out here on the production line is just how clean everything is. I mean, the floors and the lighting everything's just really clean cool. and organized
1: that's been one of the big efforts through our manufacturing group is called 5s it goes everything from sorting and simplifying and making sure everything has a place that each equipment so you're going to notice that most things have a marked out taped path for where they're going to be placed so that way people will be more likely to put things back at the end of the day it's not going to lose any tools everybody has pride in their work environment so they like to keep it tidy and it makes it a much enjoyable work environment different recycling bins like this that we pilot at different locations. This one's just for safety glasses. We found that was one of those other high-item things. We get A lot of those that each of our employees use and they reuse them to a the point when they become scratched. it's not good for them to wear anymore. So
0: that whole bin is just for eyeglasses? Yeah,
1: so that huge bin is just for eyeglasses and they empty it about once a month and that's after people have reused it and then we found out our plastics recycler would take it or we can donate them to Habitat for Humanity. Anybody else who needs short-term use of uh, uh, safety
0: glasses. Wow, cool. So it
1: gets right. down to that detail when you start doing recycling. Finding a, a home for everything.
0: You really have thought of a lot of things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a lot of those are from suggestions from our employees. Oh, there you go. You got some riveting for you.
0: <laughs> I love the riveting. It's awesome. I, I wish I could sh- uh, snap a picture of just how big the manufacturing line is here you almost can't see the end of the building it's just incredible
1: good
0: to see you <laughs> so you one of the things you mentioned was getting suggestions from employees mm-hmm. how did you facilitate that process was it informal did you have a formal process to collect ideas how'd that happen
1: uh, it goes a couple of different ways uh when we first came up with it we said you know email us your ideas and with you know 4,000 employees at the site, you could get a lot of emails and your inbox would be totally full every single day. And it would drive you a little crazy. You're like, oh my gosh, we've got so many things and everybody's saying we should put solar on our roof. Uh, so we knew we needed something better. So everything's a new iteration. And we came up with a Green and Gmail box and people could all mail it just to that. And that way I'd have my separate one. And then we said, well, it's still cluttering up that one, or we need people to be able to see what other people have suggested. Hmm. And we created a a website that we had that people could post it, and we'd approve it to make sure nobody put anything scandalous as a suggestion on there. So we'd get it and approve it, and then other people could say, you know, I like this. You know, thumbs up, thumbs down. And they'd be able to see what everybody else had suggested. So that way I don't get 42 people a day saying, have we considered solar? Ah. Um, And that way they could vote on it. And we could, you know, quantify and say, okay, well, this is what's important to you guys. This is what we're going to focus on this year.
0: In a facility like this, with just the amount of square footage, I have to imagine the opportunities to pick up efficiencies are almost endless, especially at the beginning. How do you decide what to start with?
1: We came up with an Eco Offender tool. I don't know who came up with the name, (laughs) but it's just essentially a big spreadsheet where if you're going to measure. You're going to try to reduce it. You got to know what you have. So we had a joint team, and this has been one of our strengths: is getting a collaborative team from different departments, from environmental and our facilities group, and then our manufacturing engineering groups and a lot of our design engineers and they went around and they touched almost every single piece of equipment or process that we do at the facility it was a huge time commitment then to send people out and do it that way but since we got the right mix we got it done pretty efficiently and then we could rack and stack every opportunity that we found and then we've still been working on that same list four years later oh wow gave us enough things in that one fell swoop that we could work on for everything we did
0: do your homework first.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Lay the groundwork, get the right team. We'll walk around the back here and go show you our recycling yard.
0: Well, it's we'll actually prettier than I expected it to be. <laughs> it's
1: very clean.
0: Yes. It's very clean. Yeah, for a tra- for a recycling yard, it's extraordinarily clean. So there's large, uh, you know, large, uh, I don't even know what we'd call these. Sea uh,
1: vans.
0: Sea vans, okay. Yeah. Um, so the stuff
1: you see on the back of uh, tractor trailers that can be moved from place to place
0: so there are different colored canisters here that would go on like the back of a train car they're huge and they have uh, different labels on them trash wood aluminum mixed paper anything you could think of that would be a recycling product is is here and accounted for mm-hmm.
1: so as you look around you can see that now we've got them well labeled for a lot of the different items and they're constantly moving going pulling materials and sorting them and bringing them out but this entire yard that you see where it's like we've only got one trash roll off right there with a compactor and everything else is recyclable. Just imagine that this entire yard used to be filled with just uh, waste roll off bins.
0: Yeah, it, there's something like 15 or 20 of these huge canisters here and only one trash. Everything else is
1: Yeah, our recycled. team constantly improves for that. And I got to give profit. You know, like props to all of the Obed Rivera and Teresa with their team for that. They, they're energized and they definitely have ownership of this where they keep making it better and better out here. Amazing. If you, more of the recyclables coming in right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're, they're literally coming in as we speak here on a, on a forklift.
1: The air handler you're standing in front of right now is about two people's high. When you go through everything, that usually will be more than the energy use that you would have for a typical American household. We can use that in about a month with that one if we didn't have the variable frequency drives on it.
0: And what does a variable frequency drive do?
1: Oh you don't have to run it at the top speed all the time.
0: Oh, so like a, like, a do, like a thermostat would do.
1: Like
0: a thermostat would do for your house.
1: You can turn it on low, high, whatever you need for the demand for that.
0: There's cardboard and paper flying across the lot. Thanks,
1: Dave.
0: <laughs> I just joined Green
1: that's why our site is so clean. A lot of the employees take that upon themselves. We weren't the only ones that were running after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That was awesome. Okay, so you lost out to dogs and tutus. Yes. However, <laughs> you did have a lot of successes along the way. We're going to get to a couple of the big ones here in a moment. But what, what's one that one success that you had or one initiative that you had that just really exceeded your expectations?
1: Everybody's going to go to the, the recycling first because you can make a big difference with the amount of waste that you're doing. And most facilities are very, very wasteful. you got, you know, the office uh, area. People would go from one location to another. And, of course, nobody likes to move. It's a pain in the butt. People always try to purge before they go, and they get rid of a lot of items. So we said, wow, we're seeing a lot of stuff in the trash here. But then we do these big fundraisings uh, later on the year with our corporate citizenship department to find, you know, donate binders, donate, you know, colored pencils, donate all these sort of things brand new only and give it to the local schools that we want to partner with for charities and yet we were throwing away thousands of dollars of office supplies as people would move hmm. from one location to another. And
0: Which happens a lot here. People they do, move oh, around they like crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're
1: constantly switching locations, bays, uh, doing that. So we uh, found out from some of our employees who just started showing up in my office. They were like, they were throwing away all these binders. Can't we give these to somebody? With just huge armfuls of materials. And they would just dump in my cube and i go, okay, I'm going to work with corporate citizenship and we'll find something. And over time we became more proactive and we figured out how to eliminate a lot more of those wastes Hmm. we work with our facilities department ahead of time you know a a bay move is announced great okay we would assemble the team for our facilities people whatever group was moving our records management ones uh, our security people and bring together all the different aspects so that way we could you know have bins placed out and get communication out about you know you'll be able to recycle your office supplies and We first said, okay, all of it goes to schools, you know, don't take anything from this bin. And then we thought, well, then they'll just rebuy new stuff and somebody else might want that, you know, pen or, you know, three-hole punch that's in there. So then we adjusted it again saying, okay, put stuff here to be reused. Yes, you can take anything for uh, your office use out of this bin. Go for it. And then it was less stuff we had to have our hip students sort out and Mm. then ultimately give to people and deliver. So it was saving money for our company as well. Um, And then everything that was left over and sorted, we would go to all the local schools. And the local schools were all nominated by our our green team employees that were like, oh, my kid goes to such and such, or we do a tutoring program down here. So as long as we could drive to it within our lunch hour, we'd borrow a truck from our transportation department, load up the extra office supplies, and we'd deliver it. Uh, And it's great to see you pull up with the truck and a couple of volunteers who are helping you offload it and the teacher will see you and be like, boys, go and help them unload the truck, bring it into their centralized, you know, like central office they'd be able to give it to all the teachers first and then a lot of the things that schools sometimes would be like "Oh, we don't need binders well your students do so we would make sure we timed some of those at the beginning of semesters
0: I'm so really, that was so my
1: favorite one probably is the surplus office supplies yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah.
0: sounds really really successful and then also you <laughs> adapt it along the way as you learn things from oh, people yeah. and, and you know one of the, the parts that's been a theme throughout all your conversation with me so far is just how much other people were involved in people like you said who are Mm -hmm. engineers accountants who have nothing to do really with
1: not their jobs not not their job
0: uh, not even a portion of their job really And, and spending time on lunch hours and volunteering their time to do this why did people get so excited what is it that you all did that got people so excited about it
1: well I think one of the things we did in our initial kickoff meeting is we were coming up with you know how to get people excited about this, how to do that. And somebody brought up, well, they do this at home. Why wouldn't they do it at work? And so, when we did the first kickoff meeting, we had everybody, you know, buy a show of hands. Uh, one of our Dale Carnegie tricks: uh, who uh, has you recycled this at home? Whoever turned off a light and did this sort of stuff. Whoever saved money by you know doing this sort of thing. And you know, tons of people would raise their hand, and were like, and how many of you did it at work? And all the hands dropped, and we're like, that's why we're doing this. Maybe. And everybody was like, oh, they had made the connection. Uh, and saying that you have the same opportunities at work as what you already do at home really made it personal to them
0: tell me about this award so you just received <laughs> this amazing award this week actually yeah yeah from uh is it the the, the county LA county
1: supervisors yeah the board of supervisors from la county it's the top environmental award for all of los angeles county here in california uh
0: which by the way um cool. <laughs> is is a huge deal the president of northrop sent out a mailer about it that christina received this award and so uh, you you're Essentially, been uh, recognized as the greenest person in Los Angeles County, which yeah, is huge. Cool. There's yeah. tons of companies, tons of people were up for this award. So, uh, what does that mean to you? I,
1: well, I think the biggest thing that first hit me for it was A, I didn't know this award was coming. I hadn't nominated myself for it. We always nominated our company like, as a hmm. team, you know, like our employee teams have done this, or our fleet team with us have done these sort of things. And we applied the last couple of years and become finalists. And then I left the department. They didn't make finalists this year. Um, So we're like, oh, darn, we thought this was our year. We have a really great team. Um, So when I got the award notice from L.A. County, I was flabbergasted. I was like, how did this happen? Um, Some of our teammates had gotten together and said, you know, Christina's done a great job with this. Uh, She's a shining example that we should do this for other companies and let them know that one person can make a difference and I was just I was floored I was honored that they had said you know Christina we're nominating you they totally surprised me with it they had asked for information saying that they were applying for themselves for another award and I said no problem of course I will help you apply for that you guys are totally honoring for that like you will win hands down for your award oh. uh, and they were secretly using it to nominate me for this one so <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> what floored me is that they had you know brought it upon themselves to do the nomination and that's what you know, I, I think it was the biggest honor is that somebody else had done it
0: you're a really talented French horn player in addition <laughs> to your professional uh, pursuits what have you discovered about yourself through making music
1: well with the French horn that i play. Uh, I've actually played since middle school. I have a music degree in that as well. So I always joke that it's, by doing the engineering and my managing work during the day and playing music at night, it's a lot of left brain, right brain. You never get tired because you're doing totally different stuff. Mm. Uh, a lot of people say, when I get home, I'm just too exhausted to do anything else. But if you do something totally different than what you do in your regular day job, just like a lot of people like to volunteer that way. If they do accounting, they want to paint something. If they you know, do environmental work, they want to play in a music group. No, I do both. Um, but playing in the musical groups that I have... It, It teaches you dedication that you know you have to be on a schedule, you have to show up to these ones, otherwise you're letting down a larger team for that, especially since French horn, instead of more of a sectional instrument, like a violin section would be where you'll have 30 people playing the exact same notes Uh, with French horns, uh, every piece that you play and every note you play is not duplicated by anybody else and the rest of the orchestra. So Mm -hmm. you know that it's up to you and that if you don't play it right, nobody else is going to play it right. So you really have to step up and know that you're more of a soloistic instrument. Even if you're not standing in the front of the orchestra, you know, playing a Mozart horn concerto, uh, even when you're in the back, you have a piece to play and you have to be the one that does it because nobody else will.
0: Wow, what an interesting perspective on that because I had never thought about that from the perspective of Green and G, but really in a lot of ways you were the solo person or a couple (laughs) people were really, you know, as far as part of their jobs, Mm -hmm. how many people had Green NG as like part of their job description and their statement of work?
1: I think we ended up having, uh, I started 16 teams across the country, 10 of them within our sector, and we helped them set it up. But the people that were in charge of it and all except for one location were an environmental engineer Mm -hmm. at that facility. And it maybe ranged from... Maybe five to ten percent for most of them saying, "Okay, well, we'll do an Earth Day event." Okay, you told me I have to, so I'm going to do it. Uh, to myself which was a 50 50 mix 50 percent compliance 50 percent sustainability work for our site our sector and our corporate levels hmm. that i was helping with so, so even for you it wasn't
0: your full-time, no, no. full-time job <laughs> i in would have the loved minimal. for it to
1: be yeah, yeah it's, wow it's very exciting for that but you know amazing my dork side for engineering really like the compliance and engineering side too so you know it's still things i come into the company and i love doing but you know you get to try it off on uh if you were sitting at your computer for too long, you could then go sort office supplies if your eyes started to bug out of your head. Yeah. So that helped.
0: There's a lot of people that are part of our show community that work in large organizations, and I know some people who are either currently or going to have the opportunity to stand up a large internal initiative like this. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for someone who was in a role where they're been asked to stand up an initiative like this or move something forward or maybe come up with an idea to do this and someone said, yes, go for it?
1: Okay, what uh, would you to get say? Them started? Yeah, what would you
0: say to get them started? Well,
1: we kept, uh, came up with a little packet of how to start a green and G team because we had so many different groups and sectors saying you started a team, it's still going. How uh-huh. did you do that? So we came up with a little, you know, one page summary, you know, first thing, get an executive sponsor, because in our industry, unless you have an executive who says, you know, this is something we should be doing, then everybody thinks it's a flavor of the month and they don't pay any attention to it. Mm. They may not volunteer. They'll say, I'll get all involved and I'll get excited. And then they're going to cancel it and go to something totally different as their emphasis. So by having that first executive sponsor at the very top, it just shows that there's some company uh, buy in the event then we had like a a set powerpoint that said you know ask them these sort of questions show them these metrics for that and then show them your competitors and then everybody it gets very competitive in our industry and they're like oh they're doing that we can do that So that helped. A lot of people got really rallied up because they're competitive. Cool. Uh, And then we would just say, and, you know, within that first meeting, uh, within two weeks of that, you need to have your first volunteer event because otherwise it'll feel like you started, and then it just loses all of its momentum. So as soon as you get those people that are excited and that got that email and said, yeah, I'm going to go to this kickoff meeting, you have to have something that translates their energy uh, immediately into some sort of event. So I don't care if it's going and placing mulch around the trees at your facility there or donating some surplus office supplies to the schools, you have to do something within a short time frame of kicking it off. And then those sort of people get used to it and they, you know, get a taste of that sort of thing and they'll they'll be volunteers for life.
0: Who's someone that's been a role model for you in either your communication or leadership skills and what have you learned from them?
1: Wow. Uh, I had a mentor here at Northrop Grumman for three years, Jim Callis. Mm, he helped yeah. bring in uh, Dale Carnegie to Northrop Grumman, and he's definitely he was the epitome of servant leader for a lot of these things. He wanted to see other people succeed. He wanted to see the company do well. You know, he was very loyal to the people he worked with, the company that he worked for, and the ideals that he looked for. So he took his time out to help us start off back when I was in our our youth feeder kind of group, Connect 20G. It's like a young people at Northrop originally... Uh, social group in the management club, and we decided that we'd be able to do some mentoring programs between the two of them. So I helped start it up from this Connect with G side, and he was the president of management club. So we got the two little teams together, created this mentoring program, and while we were coming up with it, he got so excited. He goes, "Well, I want to mentor," and I said, "Well, I want you as my mentor." So we jumped in immediately while we we're creating the program and started a mentorship there. So being able to meet with him uh, through several years because he's not one of those people that once you have a mentor for a program, the program goes for nine months and then, okay, see ya, good luck with your life. Uh, Even to this day, now that he's retired from Northrop, you'll still get emails and Christmas cards from him asking how things are doing. He'll show up at a management club event now that I'm membership chair for management club and not just in the the youth feeder group and he wants to know how i'm doing and he's very excited every time he sees uh, something new that happens for it so i try to emulate a lot of the things that he does about really caring for the people that you work with Mm -hmm. and those especially for me made my success by really caring for the people who volunteered with me because they're taking the time and effort for it and you gotta show respect and honor them for working with you for that
0: Christina Call-Martins is the recipient of the County of Los Angeles Chair's Green Leadership Award and uh, has been a leader at Northrop Grumman for five years now. Congratulations, Christina. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed putting this interview together today. And I also hope that you will join us online for the conversation to continue after the episode too. And that is at coachingforleaders.com slash 96 the number nine the number six that will get you to the show notes for this episode it'll get you to christina's contact information you can connect up with her on linkedin if you'd like and also a great place to drop us a comment question or feedback and i'm sure christina would be happy to jump in and join the conversation as well so be sure to do that coachingforleaders.com slash 96 you can also call in audio feedback to me anytime at nine four nine three eight learn Or you can email me directly, and the email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So uh, be sure to connect up and uh, would love to continue the conversation after the episode today. And speaking about things coming up episode number 100, I mentioned uh, just last week, is coming up in the two-year anniversary of the show. It's just around the corner. And I mentioned last week that in episode 100, the show's going to be devoted to you, your success stories. I'd love to hear as many success stories as possible from our community members. And I'm going to try and include as many as I can in episode number 100. That is you. So if you've been listening to this, this show for any length of time, and that's, you know, even if you just listen for a couple episodes, or maybe this is the The first time you've listened, I would love to hear what you've gained from this show, how it's been helpful to you, what you've applied from it. And so if you'd like to leave an audio comment to be featured in episode number 100, uh, there's two ways you can do that. One way is you can call into our feedback outline. And again, that number is 94938LEARN. Just leave a message there, and that way I will uh, get that and be able to include it in the episode. You can also visit the website at coachingforleaders.com slash speak. And if you do that, you can click record there and record using your built-in microphone on your laptop or your computer. Or I think it even works on uh, mobile devices. So uh, try that out. And uh, that's a great way to record as well. And you can uh, submit it however you want, whatever works for you. If you're not sure what to do, I just suggest saying, hey, what's one thing you've discovered by listening to the show? How did you apply it? And what'd you get? And if you uh, say those three things, I think that's a great place to start. I'd really love to hear your story. And anything, if it's from recently, from long ago, I'd love to hear the story. And I know that the other members of this community would love to hear your story too and uh, be able to be inspired by your actions so they can go out and take action as well. So please do that. Uh, again, uh, coachingforleaders.com slash speak or call into the hotline and that's a great way to Uh, get featured in episode number 100. Hey, I'm uh, not going to mention any names of folks who connected with me on social media this week. I'm posting the show a little early since I'm heading out of town. But I did want to remind everyone, if you're not already getting my weekly article that I send out each week, usually on Wednesdays, uh, go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. That'll get you onto the weekly article list. And each week, I write an article to help you to improve your communication skills, human relations, or productivity. So be sure to grab that. And lots coming in the next few weeks, not only on this show, but on the articles. And episode number 100 is coming. Lots of good stuff. I uh, can't wait to keep the conversation going. Hey, and if there's anything I can do for you, please feel free to reach me anytime. Feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Have a great week and see you next Monday.